So I would say uh, this is not so much a normal household chore, but we had a stretch where our toilet was backing up uh, with regularity and plunging it became my least favorite thing to do in the universe. Until one day I had this sort of epiphany where I said, you know, why don't you just consider every time you plunge, like a, that's like a little prayer. I think you should make a product called a prayer plunger and treat it. Oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> It'd have little Bible verses on the handle. It's <laughs> exactly. so cute. And you can fl you can flush all your troubles away. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. So here's a real question, though. How much of that toilet backing up are you personally responsible for? <laughs> no, no, no comment. No comment. Welcome to episode 75 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft-brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern at pubtheology.com, and you can listen anytime wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsors. Our first sponsor is Casual Priest maker of fine clergy wear based out of Sweden. Their clergy tops are tailored, modern, confident, and stylish. And you can win free clergy apparel from Casual Priest if you call in and leave a message on our Casual Priest hotline, 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830. You can also join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PT Live. It's like you've been reading it all your life. Right? Yeah. It's like I was meant to read that. Oh wow. my goodness. You're natural. Wow. We are also sponsored by Wink Wine Club. Wink. <laughs> that, that's for the video viewers. <laughs> I mean. uh, Wink, W I N C. Features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. I've been a Wink customer for a few years, and I my favorite time um, of the month has been the FedEx guy. Who, incidentally, we're now on a first name basis because because nice. you know he comes and he's like, "Hey, what's with all this wine that you get?" So <laughs> I fucked Wink, and he said he was going to try it out. We'll see what happens. But you can try it yourself. Get started at trywink.com slash ptlive. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C. And you get $20 off your first order and some other savings. So if you like the wines, you can get the wine come to you instead of you have to go fish around for the wine. So there you go. Wink Wine Club. Perfect. Well, tonight it's our first episode of 2018. Or I feel like we should have poppers. Exactly. Or as some of you call it 2018. I call it 2018. Yeah. yeah. We discuss what it means to be welcoming and appropriately tonight we welcome officially our new co-host Shannon Meacham. Welcome hey. Shannon. I can hear the thunderous applause over there the, is thunderous the, applause. the car radios and whatnot. Earbuds <laughs> everywhere are exciting. Exactly. 
Exactly. Well, welcome to the show, Shannon. Uh, Shannon is a Presbyterian preacher, a mom, a writer, uh, a fabulous person, and we are privileged to have you on the show. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited. And uh, remind us where you're where you're at and maybe what you're drinking tonight and anything uh, else you want to add. Yeah. So I am I am at um, I am in, in Baltimore, Maryland, right outside on the north side. And um, yeah, just hanging out here. We're having a we're having a worn snap. It was 32 degrees today. Look awesome. Out. I know. Right. It's amazing. I am drinking um, 21st Amendment Breweries Fireside Chat. It has a lovely um, FDR on it. It's sitting by a fireplace. It is a winter spiced ale. One of my favorites this time of year. Excellent, excellent. Put my little tulip glass. And we are joined as usual by Ogan Holder. Welcome, Ogan. Thank you, thank you. I am Reverend Ogan Holder, Unity on the River in Amesbury, author of Rants to Revelations. I have my visual aid tonight. Unimaginable mm. honest reflections on life, spirituality, and the meaning of God. Celebrating. Five years of publication. I should probably get on the stick with writing book two. Mm. Um, I haven't done book one yet. (laughs) Tonight, as you can tell by this clear liquid in the mug, I'm drinking a gallon of vodka. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm drinking. I'm drinking water tonight. Um, I will not. I will not be consuming alcohol anymore. Wow. Before I go to Barbados in February. <laughs> oh my Lord. You had me down a whole road. And I was, I was like, like, oh my God, I feel terrible now. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what just happened? I'm going to drink three beers just to make up for I was you. Like, I feel like we should have talked about this before the show. <laughs> um, I, he told me he wanted the real reaction. So he got it. Authentic reaction. No, I, I overdid it over the holidays with the yeah. eggnog and pushed past my usual. I'm I'm not I'm not a stickler about what I weigh, but when I push back, push past the 200 mark, I'm like, time to roll that back a little mm-hmm. bit. So, between the the holiday foods and the massive amounts of eggnog, and I ballooned up to 206, I was like, nope, we rolling this puppy back. So so uh, no alcohol and and good eats, and I am I've shaved off since since uh, January one, my last. My last alcohol beverage was at brunch on the first because it was mm. the first. Um, so yeah, I am down. I am down six pounds. Um, there since, you go. Since the first. So drinking the water, but then uh, February gonna go home visit my family in Barbados for a couple of weeks, and there's no way I'm not uh, drinking the beer and the rum punch and the shandies when I go. So um, yeah, taking All a right, taking right. a break, Fab. There you, there, go. You go. there you go. There you go. Well, my mm, name is delicious water. Mm. Enjoy. <laughs> my name is Brian Burkoff. I am a pastor of Holland UCC in snowy Holland, Michigan, and uh, author of the book Pub Theology: Beer Conversation and God. And tonight, I am drinking a beer. I am having a Trendelicious ipa uh with grapefruit added because why because everybody's doing it hence the name trend delicious from Oddside ales i hope and, that tastes uh, good because that is like the worst name for beer i've ever uh, heard. right <laughs> and i'm sorry description like grapefruit in my beer is not mm, but oh no I, really oh I hope it's, it's delicious it is outstanding i've had oh good i'm glad i'm glad great grapefruit and bears yummy um mm-hmm. I, I like me some grapefruit and bear too i like fruit beer i just i don't know 
Yeah. Now the sad part about it is, you know, here's here's where my more of my personal health ailments. Um, I'm currently on uh, some high blood pressure medication, and apparently it does not react well with grapefruit products. So I had to. It told me stop taking grapefruit, and which is sad because I love grapefruits. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's real. Wow. I don't know well, the minuscule amount of flavoring they put in beer shouldn't bother me, but I'm not. I'm not chancing it. Mm, water. Don't don't chance it. I will take all your chances and have your grapefruit <laughs> and your beer tonight. There you go. So uh, we're going to start off with a question, which says, "Are there any household chores that you secretly enjoy?" Hmm. So I'll start off with I like it when things are clean. Like, yes, I just do. So I enjoy the house being clean. I don't enjoy cleaning the house. I will second that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, I, 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 I kind of half that. I, I actually don't clean the house very often. I have a high tolerance for mess. But when it when it reaches threshold, it's like I set aside a whole day and I scrub the place down and I actually enjoy it. And, you know, I'll yell at Joy. The house is clean. Don't touch anything. (laughs) (laughs) So you're enjoying it. Right. Exactly. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the clean. So you can't enjoy anything. Exactly. (laughs) I'm enjoying the cleaning and the cleanliness. Mm. But in a weird way, the other the chore I actually weirdly like is folding laundry and. I think m- that's mostly because it actually becomes kind of like a family event between me and Joy, and we'll put on a movie or watch some TV, you know, and we're just sitting there with massive amounts of laundry and we will fold, you know, together. So I think it's more around what happens while we're doing the chore than the chore itself. Right. So I would say uh, this is not so much a, normal household chore but we had a stretch where our toilet was backing up uh, with regularity and plunging it became my least favorite thing to do in the universe until one day I had this sort of epiphany where I said you know why don't you just consider every time you plunge like a that's like a little prayer and suddenly uh, it became something I didn't mind to do and actually was like oh wow think of all this gratitude I'm developing as I'm plunging this toilet and it was such a dumb little thing but it like totally changed the way I thought about it and you know you can think of that as cute or or whatever but it actually made a difference and and I hope I can apply that to other things in my life but you know I think you should make a product called a prayer plunger and treat it. Oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> it have a little Bible verses on the handle. It's <laughs> so cute. And you can fl- you can flush all your troubles away. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So, me- I better stop. So here's a real question, though. How much of that toilet backing up are you personally responsible for? <laughs> no, no, no comment. No comment. I almost made Shannon spit her bear up. <laughs> he did. He really did. <laughs> That was not the question I was anticipating. No, no comment. I, I will say that also a regular chore around here uh, with four children and six people in the house is dishes. And we do not have a dishwasher. What? So the dishes uh, are a frequent chore. Uh, and uh, so far have not trained the four dish four potential dishwashers uh, in, in taking care of that. So. I'm, I'm sorry. How, how old are your kids again? I know. Old enough to... Old enough to do dishes. Old enough to do dishes. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. My dishwasher broke down a couple of days ago, and yeah, the uh, 
I'm, I'm hand washing them as well. Or the the frigid cold temperatures that we had here um, caused caused some freezing in the back wall of the kitchen there, and the dishwasher got taken out on my way to church this past Sunday. Negative six, negative six. Insane. You guys did have a cold snap. I, I know. Guess. It's like 36 today, and I was practically walking out of the gym in short. Right? I know. I didn't <laughs> yes. wear a coat today. I was like, woo! <laughs> yeah, I think it got close to 40 here, and we, we have had a ton of snow, so there was all this, like, fog in the air from snow melt. It was crazy. Yeah. Yay, climate change. I will right. I will throw out one more thing, is that, like, although I, I, I guess this is a chore to me, but, um, like, organizing is kind of fun for me. Yeah. if I like have to do it right. And I'm a, I'm a tosser. So like that, cl- it feels very cleansing to yes. like organize things and get rid of things and donate things and purge the house. Right. It feels like a good, a good thing. I just don't do it very often. I do it a couple times a year, you know, like clean out the yeah. closets and get rid of some stuff. Absolutely. I, I I did a clean of my desk uh, after the new year and there was some purging and things, you know, there were piles and there was dust just in a lot of spots. And I said, you know, you deserve a clean desk, Brian. And right? it feels great. Yeah, it does. It feels really good. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we've hinted at this already, but uh, any any New Year's intentions, New Year's resolutions? Uh, we've already heard about the drinking water. Anything else uh, happening along those lines? Um, I wanna I wanna read some more this year. Like mm. for me, it's it's uh, the last two years has been really too much TV watching. Not that TV watching is a bad thing, and I don't object to TV watching, but for me, I used it really as like a weird escape um, or no, no, not escape. That's not true. Um, more like a, a, what do you call it? A, a logging out, uh, uh, a numbing. Yeah. yeah. Decompressing. Yeah. It was a little, it was a little emotional numbing out from mostly, mostly spurred on by, you know, you know, my grief journey. And, and I think that a lot of that fog has lifted. Um, so I'm like, all right, maybe you should do a little less TV or more reading. Although some really good shows are coming out now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I started watching today. Uh, the, uh, what is it? The uh, marvelous Miss Mizell, the one that won. Oh, we watched that a few weeks ago. Wow, that's, nice. that's good stuff. Yeah, it is. I liked it. And you know, season three of The Path is coming out in a, like yes. a week or week and a half. So look out. got to watch that too. And Shannon, if you have not seen this show, I, I would, I would I love to hear your thoughts on it. It's a Hulu right. Hulu original about a religious group slash cult. And it's so interesting and well done. So we're talking about getting rid of cable and getting Hulu. So yes, um, there, there you go. But Put I, it on I, the have list. To, I have to wait till The Walking Dead's over. Right. Okay. So. But once that happens, then I'll get rid of it and I'll get Hulu. And then we're also nice. talking about getting Sling, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. Well, you don't right. need Sling. Hulu Hulu does live TV. But it doesn't do AMC. That's true. Oh, boy. So yeah. that is true. But we need something with all the football come fall. And and Sling does that. And, yeah. but, and then we need something with AMC, so Walking Dead. And we have very few shows that we still watch, like, you know, on cable, but... Mm-hmm. Um, that's still one of them. So, you know, but speaking of, uh, speaking of the path, um, after, after you log some episodes, we should definitely 
do an episode here about like you know the, the just do a path episode the personality when it comes to ministers and yeah how spiritual can be worshipped and how we sometimes you know can can easily buy into that yep yeah that would be interesting so so any other uh shannon for you new year's intentions so um I I didn't I I stopped years ago making kind of resolutions because they were all like Shannon needs to lose weight, and then I kept breaking them right like you right. need to exercise more and you need to lose weight and I was just like I'm I'm just tired of like having that always be a goal and never quite attaining it right so yeah. um, it's not that I don't need to do those things but it's constantly there so I I turned a couple of years ago it's now a thing right choosing a word but years ago. It wasn't, or at least I hadn't heard of it. So I do the thing where I choose a word for the year and like keep that in front of me and blah, blah, blah. So my word for the year, although I don't choose it, um, some churches do this thing where you like pick one and it pick the star word picks you. Like I pick my word, like I have an intentional. So this is, that's the intention part for me. Um, so my word this year is faithful. Nice. And yeah. And, and I mean, as much as it's obvious, it's also a, like, I want to do things less. Um, so just let's take the political climate, right? Like to be truly faithful, to respond out of a faithfulness rather than a knee jerk reaction or even a political party or, um, you know, just like not in a, like, what would Jesus do way, but like what, what would Jesus do way? <laughs> like what, what does scripture tell me to do? What is, what is loving my neighbor? What is um, the way to go here? And, and how in, to me, that's kind of like to be faithful is a subversive resistant to our culture kind of word. Um, but also what does it mean to be faithful to myself in relationship? What does it mean to be faithful to my husband, to my children, um, to my parishioners, to my friends, like it's, it just has a lot of meaning and um, I keep meaning to put it up. Hopefully tomorrow I'll have time to do it, but there's this great um, Howard Thurman um, poem about faithful that I've, I've kind of, I've, I'm going to print it out and put it on my mirror in the bathroom so that it holds me accountable of what it is to be faithful. So that's my, my, my new year's intention is to be faithful all the ways like great excellent love it love it um yeah so I don't what about you brain. brian well mine's not real fleshed out but it was along the lines of exercise uh <laughs> slash exploring yoga which oh, i, I have never done yoga in my life but i you know i do some mindfulness practices and contemplative prayer and those kinds of things and so it feels to me like yoga would be a natural fit involving the body uh, in a mindful way. Um, so any so any I, recommendations about kinds of yoga or your experience go. or what I should or shouldn't do? Do I need to get a mat? What do I need? Do I need yoga pants? Okay, yes, what you I need a mat. Um, <laughs> and I would well, love to see you in some yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I think that's a picture, a prize picture, right? Like somebody gets to see Brian in his yoga pants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I actually, so I've tried the more meditative yoga many times in life because I feel like that's something I should do. 
and Brian, it probably works really well for you. It works really well for my husband and stuff. But um, for me, I, I can't turn off my brain. My brain is constantly, I have monkey mind. That's what they call it. Yep. yep. Um, so several years ago, I started doing Bikram yoga, which is where the room is 105 degrees. It's the hot yoga. It's the hot yoga. And it's a very, it's the same 26 positions. Um, and we do them in our class, we do them twice. It's an hour and a half long. And I, it is the only exercise besides swimming that I have ever found in my life that I've actually loved. And you know why? Because my brain really does shut off because, you know, yoga is like focus on your breath. And when it's 105 freaking degrees in the room, Focusing on your breath is not difficult. <laughs> yeah, right. You're like, please breathe. <laughs> like I move into a position and I'm like, just breathe, just breathe. Tell my kids I love them. Just breathe. <laughs> like that is all that goes through your mind. Nice. And now, I love it. I love it. If you do, if you do the hot yoga, you gotta remember to to make sure you you drink water as if you were drinking beer because yes. the first time I did it. I, you know, I brought my bottle of water in. I drank that. I had maybe like one glass when I went home, woke up the next morning, hung over like <laughs> I had been drinking all night because I had sweated out so much, so much water. Yep. I massive dehydration. So, so wow. yeah. So I would say like, I would say like, like hydrate up before you go while you're doing mm -hmm. it. And after you get home, if you go the hot, hot yoga room. Yeah. I there's actually a liquor store right next to my hot yoga studio. And they're like, <laughs> make sure you drink a lot of liquid today. And I'm like, no problem. And I hit the liquor no, store. That's awesome. The other <laughs> thing that could work also maybe if light you, beer. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yoga doesn't resonate. <laughs> nice. Staying on topic is uh, uh, Tai Chi. Like Tai Chi, oh. I think um, yeah. helps. Uh, that was for, for a while. I've, I've done both. And I think in terms of um, what, what I think resonated more for me is a movement practice that, mm -hmm. that actually asked me to be more mindful was uh, the Tai Chi. Cause I think, I think with yoga, I could, I could, I could be a little more sloppy. I could do sloppy yoga and get away with it. Mm. See, and I found in Bikram, I couldn't right? I could do it in the meditative, but I couldn't be sloppy in the, I don't know, Brian. Because with all that sweat on the all that sweat on your mat, you're gonna be sweating yeah, all over the place. Well, now that I've spoken the intention aloud, uh, I feel like I'll you need to report. It. I need to report back. So there you go. I'll there see you if go. we can venture so out. Do you know what the, what the current percentages of people who actually like uh, stick with and fulfill their resolutions by the end of the year? It's like um, I mean, like yeah, one. <laughs> Not that bad. But oh, eight okay. percent is like the current, uh, the 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 average number here. Well, I'm eight. sorry, that was my average one percent. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the percent, Ogan? Eight. Oh, eight. Yeah, eight. Yeah. So be part of the eight, Brian. Be part of the eight. Eight. the great eight. I will try. There you go. I will try. So moving into the meat of our conversation here tonight, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about welcome, and it's not uncommon to hear a church say all are welcome or you of course probably every church says you are welcome here when a church says all are welcome do you believe it and what to the two of you does being a welcoming church really mean so i think i think we should also share that part of what is in, uh, inspiring us to have this conversation is that um, recent survey that came out 
by I forget the name of the website. Anybody remember? We should put that I can up look there. it up. Keep talking and I'll okay. find it. But, but, but basically they um posted the results of the top one hundred of the hundred largest churches in the country and you know scurred their websites and for their LGBTQ I guess policies were they LGBTQ affirming? Was it clear that they said that on their website? Was it unclear where they stood, or you know, right. we didn't we didn't know? And it turns out that of these hundred largest churches, absolutely none of them were LGBTQ affirming. Some came Zero. right out and said that they weren't. Others, the rest, those were the minority. Of uh, most of the rest of them didn't have clear language in about it on their website but then under further investigation or further digging it was also kind of clear that they weren't and these weren't all just evangelical churches either it was yeah so so i think that was kind of like a what for a lot of people and stuff so so yeah that kind of prompted this conversation of well what does it mean to be welcoming and can you can you welcome can you welcome someone if you don't necessarily uh, f- can you be welcoming if you don't agree and affirm with who they are as individuals? And for me, the short answer is, is, is no. Um, I don't, I don't think you can. Um, I think you can, you, you can open your doors to everyone, but for me, welcoming implies that however you walk through my doors as you are is okay. Yeah, I so so to give everybody else kind of the background of the conversation that we had was we we talked about the survey done, which I'm still looking for, and it's loading. Um, part of my thought was because I was very condemning, and even on social media, I put it out there and I said, "If this is what it is, we're doing it wrong." And there were some people that pushed back and said, "But they're welcoming; they're just not affirming." And then you know, a lot of my um, gay and lesbian friends came out and said, I'm sorry, but if you're not affirming, then I'm not welcome there. You know, I'm not comfortable. Right. And yet what it got me thinking of is my, you know, 150 people. Um, I serve a denomination, the, the Presbyterian Church USA, which is 97% white, you know, who are very, yes, we're very welcoming to, and and we're we're a, a more we're the left side of center of a mainline denomination, um, so not just for us of you know uh, of the LGBTQ community, but of people of color of you know and we're like yes come on in of course we're welcoming, but are we affirming the rights of right so not just I I think for me this conversation goes like can be exploded in the implications of church and what it means to not just be welcome, but what it means to affirm yes. someone. Right. I, I, I agree with that. And I think it's important to note, uh, yeah, welcome. If, if you don't see your, yourself represented in, in leadership or in all facets of the church, then you are really not going to feel welcome. And the interesting thing was in those 100 largest churches, only one had a woman uh, pastor right. and, she was, and she was a co-pastor with her husband. 
Right. <laughs> well, so yeah. And that brings up another good point. Like how many of those churches, if I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pastor and they said, well, you're welcome here, but we don't believe, which again, three of them would say, we don't believe that women should be pastors. We don't believe women can be called by God. And, and I would not feel welcome there because God made me who I am. Right. And yeah, it's, it's a really, it was a really moment again. So I'll go back to my word faithful. Right. So it's very easy for me to point the finger and say, bad church is bad, you know, but then to also have to sit there and say, okay, but how, how is my church or even not just my denomination, but even my church welcoming, but not affirming. Right. I don't know. It's it's a hard question. It's when, a condemning when, question. When we use the word affirming, what what does that mean for you guys? So uh, according to this article in Newsweek, which which highlighted this study of these largest churches in America, they said an affirming policy means much more than welcoming. And in this case, they were talking about the LGBTQ plus um, community. It means that the church will ordain, hire, marry, and baptize. Uh, so, and, and allow them to become members. So if you can't, uh, participate in every level of the life of the church for whatever reason, uh, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, race, whatever, uh, then you're not affirmed. You might be welcomed, but you're not affirmed. Does gotcha. that make sense? Yeah. So I go back to, um, so when I was a teenager, um, we we jumped around a lot when I was a kid during different denominations for a long story of reasons. But we ended up in a Southern Baptist congregation, which is what my stepfather was growing up. And as you can tell from my stepfather, my parents had been divorced and this was their second marriage. And although my stepfather had been raised in the Southern Baptist church, he was not allowed to be in any sort of leadership position because he had been divorced. What was interesting to me though, is that like he was, he was okay with the fact that like, that was their rule, whatever. What bothered him was he wasn't even allowed to be an usher in the church. Wow. He was what? not, right. He was not allowed <laughs> to pass out bulletins. He was not allowed because wow. he had been divorced to represent the church in any way in a, you know, as their first impression of well, this. That, that, that makes perfect sense because we all know divorce is contagious and can be Absolutely. virally. <laughs> wow, that's harsh, that's harsh. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, now granted here, I, I, I'm, I'm glad in some way that he had that experience because now, Years later, through a, a series of those kind of experiences, you have this 70-year-old white man who, who has opened himself in various different ways because he's felt shunned in some ways, you know. Sure. But it makes me so sad that, now this was in the, you know, early 90s, late 80s kind of thing. But, like, it makes me so sad that he, he wanted to participate in the life of the church and because he had been divorced. And so, like... Now we're, you know, there's always this issue that it feels like the church is living. I mean, the church is antiquated in these ways. 
So no, I want not, not not unity, by the way. Just let me just well, <laughs> ah, well, yeah. Uh, well, I would okay, say yeah. you know we all want to we'll defend our, anybody. Our, our sure. circles. Oh no, know. I'll I'll condemn mine all day long, but still. <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. Well, I just want to say, are there are there limits though to to um, to this? You know, we welcome all, or we will affirm people at every level of the church. Let's say um, there is. Uh, someone who belongs to another faith tradition and just says, I'm not a Christian, but I want to attend your community, but I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe the resurrection. I don't believe any Christian doctrine whatsoever. And I identify as another tradition. If you are in a church that identifies as Christian, uh, does it make sense to uh, do some of the rituals, baptize, have them be a member, have them be the pastor? Uh, again, again, welcome to unity. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, we take everybody, but so, or so, or someone who is you know who has a, who is a, a wanted uh, child molester or murderer or or has values that are the opposite. Let's say they are um, opposed to many of the values that you hold as a community. That person probably won't find themselves being in leadership in your church. I would say that of my church, even though we're super welcoming and and you know. Anyone is welcome, uh, and we'll baptize anyone. Anyone can, you know, take communion. There's no, uh, you know, you don't have to believe anything to to share the the bread and the and the cup at my church. Yet, if you are opposed to LGBTQ uh, rights, if you're opposed to marriage equality, if you are, uh, you know, I could list a number of different things. It's likely that you're probably not going to serve on our board or something like that. Does that make well, sense? Or truly feel welcome, right? And feeling welcome. Yes. It's a different thing, right? So I right. I went to a, um, in the Presbyterian church, what's known as a more like church. Before we were LGBTQ affirming as a denomination in seminary. And, and this was a church that, you know, rainbow flags out front. One of their pastors, um, although he couldn't come out at the time, we, we all knew and, and it was accepted and loved and, and a lot of the gay and lesbian community at that time. And this was in Kentucky just felt home there because they were affirming. Right. And I brought my sister with me one day who was very conservative and and there, the languages all are welcome here. We accept everybody exactly where you are. And I yeah. look over and I'm like, she is not welcome here. Right. And, like her opinion is not welcome here. Right. And it's, and that was okay. There's nothing yeah. like, there needs to be a place for that, especially right. at that time. But the language we use is that all are welcome. And yet. So and and, yep. and and Brian, you you earlier used the phrase "wanted child molester." If the dude's wanted, I'm calling the police. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I was searching for the right words. Registered the... sex offender, maybe, is what you were going for. <laughs> I was searching for the words. Yeah, but you get but, the idea, though, right? Yes, I get the idea, and and I can speak specifically to that because I've, I've been involved in churches where they have been registered sex offenders as congregants and what you do is you come up with a plan for them you come up with a contingency plan of sure you, of course 
but and I don't. But what think about that someone that. who's in favor of child molestation, but even though they've never done it themselves, right? I'm trying to get at the values as much as maybe their record. So, so I think I so I think you're searching for extremes here. I don't I don't know that there's anyone who is going to openly admit, hey, by the way, just want y'all to know I am in favor of child molestation. Sure. Now that's an extreme, but it's not extreme. The example that Shannon gave someone who's not in favor of marriage equality or who thinks, sure. uh, you know, being gay is a sin. So here's the thing though. So again, to Shannon's point, I don't know that anyone who is anti LGBTQ plus or anti, um, open anti same sex marriage is going to find themselves being comfortable in my congregation. Right. Given given who the congregation makeup is, given what I say, given what I say, this is what we stand for, if that makes sense. But you're trying um, to be welcoming to everyone, aren't you? So, so Right. But they can, no, they can be a <laughs> congregant at my church. I'm talking about them self-selecting themselves in, in terms of that. Welcoming doesn't mean, and, and I think this is where these churches are saying that draw the line between welcoming and affirming. Welcoming doesn't um, necessarily mean we need to change or who we are philosophically or spiritually or spiritual, you know, makeup for you, because this is what you believe. This is now, this is what we believe. However, at the, uh, the, I think what we're going for here is the idea that um, what we believe or should not exclude anyone based on who they are intrinsically. You know who they who they any position they choose to take um is 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 different so if someone you know to use your extreme walked in and said hey i am in favor of child molesting i mean this is an extreme example <laughs> I'm, a new example i'm in i'm in favor of this and this is something i want to actively practice then yes i'm gonna say no we have children here or polygamy let's say polygamy or i don't know <laughs> Okay. Or, so that's or, or of, let's say, or let's say, a, let's say a, a you know an NRA card carrying Trump voter would they they you would say you're welcome, but would I would you affirm them in those beliefs? So when you say affirm, going by your earlier definition of could they serve in leadership in my church? Absolutely, they can. Yes, I'm not going to yeah. tell them not to. They're they're they can welcome. Hand out bulletins there. They can usher. They Absolutely. Can, they can yeah. uh, they can pass up bulletins. They can usher. They can, I know, right? They, they can, can serve as security. Exactly. Because we do, listen, in my congregation, exactly, we do have people. Do you have security? Yeah. We we have do Trump you? supporters who are gun owners as well. Yeah. You know, Do they carry at church? No, because we. I don't think that's, a, that's by law. In, in Michigan, it's now legal. Massachusetts is not an open carry state. I don't know. But I don't think. And uh, maybe concealed carry. We're in the we're in the wild Midwest, you know. Uh, apparently, apparently. So, but I know I know ministers in Texas who have to deal with this. You know, a um, couple of ministers I know in Texas, their big church argument is, can we get people to leave their guns in the foyer and not bring them into the sanctuary? <laughs> you know, so they're they're dealing with that. Um, but again, I think people do a lot of self-selecting of what churches they attend. So you know, if if I you know, were to go to a church that for some reason was clear they weren't, you know, they weren't uh, welcoming or supportive of, you know, civil rights and black membership. Um, it's up to me if I want to keep going there or not. 
Um, I don't know that I would keep going to try and subvert the place. So, so I think that... the the bigger, maybe not bigger, but one of the interesting shifts, which I didn't overly think about till now, because I was thinking about these kind of really huge, right? Like the survey we're talking about is the hundred biggest churches yeah. in the United States. So um, the church that I serve is a, is a family church. That's, that's the size family. And that's how they think of themselves. And you have people who have born and baptized there, right. From, mm -hmm. a, and, and it's the church is a hundred and 200 years old, you know, something like that. And where their denomination changed, right. Policy their 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 not just culture grew, but the world has grown around them and become quote unquote more progressive or more liberal. I'm their first female pastor. That was new for them in, in a lot of ways, even though the denomination did it 40, 50 years ago. And, and so I think that's a lot of where the struggle is, is with people who, this is my church. And now you're letting these people in, you know, that kind of thing. That's what I'm getting more and more of. And one of the things that I say over and over again is, is there are people that are actually excluded from our leadership, but not officially on a board, on, on, a, in, on a piece of paper, right? right. So as, as long as you're a member, as long as you're blah, blah, blah. The people that are excluded um, more in, is, is an attitude. And like we... I've had to have the conversation with people like you are welcome here, but we don't treat people that way here. Right. right. So if you're standing at the door and a lesbian couple walks in with their son who attends the preschool and you make comments to them or whatever, um, you, you will get a conversation by me and some leadership that says you can believe what you want to believe, but, but this is the church policy. And I think that's a really nuanced question of you're you're welcome here. But that that attitude, the way we treat one another is not welcome here. And that's yeah, to me no one of the biggest shifts of affirming and welcoming. Sorry, Brian, didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's good. That's good. Agreed. So I I have actually had to personnel committee or our governing board committee has actually had to say this person abuses power and they're no longer allowed to serve on leadership. And that's through years and years of kind of things of, of wrestling. Um, but I think this is a workplace issue of, of, you know, transgendered people coming into the workplace. Like there's a lot of shift that's happened very quickly. That's now acceptable. And I think what you're describing is, is again, a case by case isolated incident based on a person's behavior versus uh, uh, you know, we're paint, painting a blanket rejection notice on yes. certain type or a certain class or certain ethnicity. And and you have to have that. You have to have those case by case basis where you say, okay, this, this, you know, you, we're being welcoming and even being affirming does not mean that there isn't any accountability for you, your words and your actions. Right. right. Boundaries yeah, exactly. are good. Yes. yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And value and, and values are important values are and our communities are shaped around our values and there's no need to apologize for 
you know, if we stand for welcome of immigrants and refugees, and we as a congregation are going to speak out for certain political policies and against others, like some people who are for building the wall aren't going to, you know, be excited about that. But we're not going to apologize for that view or say that you're not welcome here. It's just that we believe all people, regardless of borders and papers or non-papers, are loved by God and should be treated a certain way. Yep, absolutely. And 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 to and to help people realize that um that's it's not it's not a bad thing to say that from the pulpit. I think a lot of I think yes. we've been conditioned by and, and I had this come up a lot last year, we've been conditioned by uh politicians and media that when we discuss certain issues, it automatically makes it a pill uh a political issue which means that you are rooting for one side or the other yeah and those three things aren't necessarily related a does not equal b equal c in in this uh circumstance um because right. if what i say maybe reflects the platform of a particular party everybody's like well why are you speaking why are you being all political and 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 supporting this party and not speaking to the other party and blah 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 and i'm like no, I'm I'm making a humanitarian point here. <laughs> right. Yeah, or I'm right. preaching right. scripture. Or <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's right. I just I just read scripture. I didn't write that. I'm sorry yeah. that that it differs from your political views. You know? Exactly. How do the principles that govern your spiritual life? How are they reflected in any particular stance you're taking? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Don't, don't live in a silo of my church. But there are many people who do live in that silo, who live in that Sunday morning is my church time. And I'm going to church and expect to hear something non-controversial to give me some comfort because I'm coming to church to escape the real world. And my view is, no, you, you know, we're not an escape. <laughs> we're here to equip you to live in the real world, not, not escape um, from it. So it, it it gets interesting. So this art this article in Newsweek that talked about these 100 largest churches said uh, the the headline was none of America's 100 largest churches are LGBT affirming and almost all of them are led by white men. So as as the lone uh, white man on the show, just <laughs> acknowledge that we have we have been made too welcome and uh, it's okay to you know. You know, you know the problem, man. People are saying that for centuries. This is y'all's problem. Oh my goodness. Uh, your time is up. So Brian. did you want to go? I, your time is up. Your time there you is go. Oh, Thank is you. this my last episode? Is that <laughs> is this my last episode? Can I can I just tell you, did you guys watch the Golden Globes at all? I watched that clip. I I was not watching the whole thing. The my 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 favorite moment was uh Natalie Portman and Ron Howard go up to introduce the nominees for i think best director oh yes and and, she, yes. and the whole night was you know about the times up and affirming women and natalie portman says and now here are the all-male nominees in this category nice. and as she names them you know the camera pans to each of them and every one of them looks like they would rather be somewhere else in that <laughs> moment they're all squirming and like like hanging their heads it was hilarious nice yeah. And and that's actually an interesting discussion for another time of, you know, Brian can't help that he's a white male and yet he can he can, can he, help can he, can he can he not? Did y'all did you not see the movie Soul Man? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> anyway, but I I I do think 
so one of the things, let me let me put it this way. So Olgan, I think you said, um, or maybe it was Brian, I'm sorry, but like when you walk into a church and when you don't see yourself reflected in leadership, right? Then you yeah. so we actually made a very conscious effort of call it affirmative action, call it what you want, right? But we wanted to shift what our church looked like. And that meant um, being intentional about our hiring of our staff, of who's up front. And so yeah. the first one was me in terms of in 2012, they called their first female pastor. I was also their youngest pastor that had ever been called there. Um, and we, as we've hired organists, as we've hired musicians, um, Christian educators, we've hired the best candidate for the job, but we've also been very intentional about hiring. We have a large um, uh, Eastern Indian population and our current guitarist is, is you know, Eastern Indian and, and he's adopted um, into the United States and, and, and just, and our organist is from an African-American, uh, she's African-American, but her background is also African-American. So our music is a lot different, a lot more uh, lively and interesting than um, it would be if we hired somebody else. And we we were very intentional about like branching out to say. Had she uh, had she taught you guys how to clap on the two and the four yet? Or are you guys still rocking the one and three? <laughs> so she hasn't taught us how to clap at all yet, which is. Oh, you know. <laughs> right. There's... I just don't let them clap. No, <laughs> it, can get, it can get messy. Um, but, it, it really but, can. but to that point, though, let me ask this question, playing devil's, devil's advocate a little bit. You know, what if that is your intention, but the options don't present themselves, especially in um, volunteer positions within the church? You know, you may have a congregation that's that's diverse or trending towards diverse or trying to be more diverse. And you open it up for folk, you even like maybe go shoulder tap some people who are more diverse than, mm -hmm. than, you know, if you live in a, if your church is um, primarily, you know, Caucasian community, but these folks don't want to serve, then, then, you know, when people walk in who are diverse, they're not seeing themselves in leadership, but it's no fault of yours. People right. just aren't stepping up. Then what do you do? And 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 I mean that's just a reality, and it's what it is. I mean I I don't know, and and it's not always like every Eastern Indian family that attends our church doesn't look at our guitarist and say, oh good, somebody like me is here, I'm gonna stay, right? Right, right. But it matters. It does matter. And as you said, Shannon, you know I can't help you know who I am. I am who I am. But you know. And as a new church start, we don't have a staff other than me. So we're not hiring other people, but there are Sundays I'm gone. We've had at least three women fill in for me. And I try to be conscious of that. We've had a gay person uh, preach and I want to be really conscious about seeking someone who's different than me when we have opportunity for others to, to give the message. And we have other roles where people are reader leading music, where we have women and people of color uh, and people of different even beliefs uh, who are involved in visible ways. And I think that is really important. So the other thing that we do just to throw out is that when we do, so we have projection monitors up on a regular basis. So the pictures that we choose are mm. very multiracial and very inclusive. Yeah. So the, the photographs, um, so last Sunday I did Baptism of the Lord, right? And I chose an artist for the sermon photograph 
that depicted John the Baptist and Jesus as African-American or as African, actually. Yeah, yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah so brought in some black Jesus. I know, we, we rocked some oh. black Jesus. And like prayers of the people, you know, could be um, various different. We have a lesbian couple praying with their children at a dinner table, um, offering, you know, just, just the physical representation in your literature, in your photographs around your church, you know, yep. on your website, all of that can also reflect your values in that way. Exactly. So, yeah. so listen, I, I, I'm going to throw this out there and I'm just, I'm saying this, Brian, you mentioned you were the one white guy here. I'm the one black guy here. Jesus, <laughs> by all accounts, was Middle Eastern. I think it's just as inappropriate to have a black Jesus as it is to have a white Jesus. He was not African. As in, you know, really dark skin like me. Yeah, but but I think it's about Israel seeing themselves in Jesus and seeing that God incarnates or represents all expressions of humanity. I get that. And at the same time, you know, I don't I I can we take that too far? And I think sometimes when we when we have the white blonde haired blue eyed Jesus. We've taken it too far to one end of the spectrum. And when we have like really dark Nubian Jesus, we've taken it to the extreme at the other end. When we have Asian Jesus, I mean, like we we, we kind of know where he was from. Why can't we just have a Middle Eastern <laughs> guy? Go for that. I, I think it's up. art. And I, I think art is is art. I don't know. I I hear you, but I don't know what the solution there is besides to put up beautiful art that depicts another something other than white western culture yeah i i, I was gonna say we've had so much white jesus that until we even have half of that of black jesus there's not too much black jesus <laughs> right i'm you know but i i i mean i also have my children sitting in a pew and you know, some of my children are Caucasian and some of my children are multiracial and I want them to see something that is depicted that might look like them. Right. 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 Just as much as they see their mother who is female representing God on this congregation's behalf, you know, and, and, and I agree with that. I support that. And I love what you said about, about, you know, uh, images of people being very diverse and multi-ethnic and, um, and I think that's um, and and leadership and on the platform, um, that's that's awesome. I think um, and and yes, take an artistic license with our with our you know historical figures. I think it's kind of uh, it's kind of weird because I mean when we look at other avatars like you know you know the Buddha shows up in a lot of different you know visages as well. You know right. How far do we like take this? You know, when we start painting pictures of Gandhi and MLK, are they not gonna be their original ethnicity? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. So I hear you. I'm just putting that out there. That's good. That, that's a good question. So I'm gonna, in the time we have left here, uh, read a, a scripture text which hints at welcome, and uh, this is from uh, the Acts of the Apostles, ten, uh, chapter ten, thirty-four and thirty-five, and this is Peter speaking who says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to God. 
So this is in the context of him having the vision of the sheet with the unclean animals and he's told to eat, get up and eat. And he says, I've never eaten anything unclean. And the voice says, don't call anything unclean that God has made clean. And then he begins to understand this is not about food as much as it's about people. So in reading that, my question is, how welcoming is God in your view? Which I get we could do a whole episode on, but, <laughs> yes, but I think our view of God affects our view of how we ought to welcome. Well, our view of God determines how welcoming we see God as, because um, I think probably for the entirety of the Bible, except for maybe that last bit when they were trying to entertain Gentiles, um, you know, God was welcoming to Jews and the children of Israel, and that was it. Every 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 other tribe outside of that was not welcome. Every tribe outside of that, you know, in the Old Testament, God was smiting them. You know, but even Jesus was throwing on a few insults here and there. <laughs> You know, I'm so I'm just saying, not very welcoming if you read the Bible. Ah. I think well, if right. you if you read it that literally, yes, right? Like if you read it as as this is somebody's interpretation of what God wants, which is the way we do read it. But mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I mean, so I I get stuck on the fact that an Old Testament Jewish scholar, who I name I forget and. I'm not going to get it correctly, the number, so I won't anticipate the number, but but I listened to a lecture that was like the number, the, 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 the number one thing that God says over and over and over again in the Old Testament above all other things is welcome the stranger and the oppressed and the orphan and the widow. And that is the number one thing said throughout the Old Testament. And how can we ignore that? How can mm -hmm. we how can that not be part of the nature and the love of God if that is what God come returns to every single time? Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, so what about someone who says, God, it says, I understand that God shows no partiality, but never, in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right. So there are a couple of qualifiers, fearing God and doing what's right. So you do wonder about those non- People and, who don't fear God and people right, who do and determines what's right. You know, now we now we got some some qualifiers here that are very uh you know subjective. Subjective, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who can know the mind of God, Brian? Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> I thought we were the mind of God. Oh, oh, oh boy. There's, <laughs> yeah. a, no. there's our our <laughs> unity voice uh speaking. <laughs> Just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> we are the hands what? and the feet and whatever else. Yeah, exactly. Teresa of Avila. I, but I think yeah. your point cannot be overstated, uh, Shannon, that regardless of what we think brings someone within the circle of faith or the circle of acceptability, there is a consistent scriptural theme to love, care for, welcome people who are not like yourself or people who find themselves on the edges or the outside of the edges, whether it's the edges of the community of faith, um, the political entity of people, or however you want to describe it, where you find people being oppressed, God is already there. Well, you know, I, I love you guys, but that's a very, very selective reading of the Old Testament because <laughs> there, there, are plenty, there are plenty old passages <laughs> Where God is not welcome in, and the people of God are not welcome. Where in, people's God interpretation people. of God is not welcoming. God, oh, God, you didn't. 
God helped his people smite the other people that they didn't welcome. So I'm just gonna, you know, do my well, devil's advocate playing. Fair enough. And the the asterisk to what I was saying was with with exception the Gergazites, Amalekites, Jebusites. Uh, <laughs> were they not deserving of every other zite? Were they not deserving of love and welcome as well? What happened to them? Uh, well, right? they got smited. <laughs> Smite makes right, uh, or something. <laughs> no title. <laughs> that is a book title. Wow. Wow. Oh, but can well, we not learn and grow and move and? Oh, ab- absolutely. And we saw that in the we saw that in New Testament with Jesus yep. making the Samaritan the hero of his story, and we saw that with yeah. with his final commission, go preach the word to to everywhere else. We see that with. Paul, whether we agree that, you know, he walked off in a huff because the early church didn't want to take him and decided to preach to the Gentiles. But the point is <laughs> that that then things started to open up. So I do agree yeah. with you, Shannon. But again, is, you know, the original question, how welcoming is God? Um, you know, is that God evolving as we are evolving? Is that the wider view of God? Is that God all along? And it just took people a couple is know, our perception catching up to speed exactly i would say i would say the latter but you know god's <laughs> yeah. always been open to everyone it's just taking us a long time to catch on to it unless you're in unity where you know you already get that <laughs> oh boy this guy just, he loves himself some unity you know I, I, he really wonder, does it's good it's good to be where you feel all they do is sing kumbaya every week i don't know what the deal is that is exactly <laughs> That is that is that is not. We do no. We sing "Let There Be Peace on Earth" every week. Oh, which I'm is sorry. Very kumbayaish. <laughs> point taken. Oh, point taken. <laughs> so we are approaching our close, and I'm wondering if there's any final word. We've talked about household chores, New Year's intentions, being a welcoming community. So any anything that wraps it all together, or is something else entirely? Well, I, I always say, you know, all love begins with self-love. You can only love another person to the extent that you love yourself. And I think this applies to the welcoming thing as well. I think if you find yourself in a place where you you don't feel like welcoming other people, you know, the question I would ask you is what parts of yourself have you not accepted about yourself yet that you're still struggling with and 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 use it as a teaching opportunity to 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 love the whole self of you and therefore love everyone else. I forgot we had Deepak Chopra as a guest tonight. That was good. Boom, bam. I think a welcome is um, something you experience in less than a policy, right? And so um, I think that's the thing that we have to hold on to as we, as we walk around as people of faith and less about church leaders and things like that. But as we walk around as people of faith, how are we embracing people where they are, who they are in any, in any spectrum. And the call is to love and loving is always going to be welcoming and, and we're growth in process, right? Like, and, and, and just to be gentle with ourselves, but to also recognize that we really need to be gentle with other people too. Mm. Excellent. I love it. I love it. I, I think that so important. I think our <clears throat> our policies of welcome absolutely matter and uh, and the way we live into those matter. And also the as you said, Shannon, uh, the way we are with people matters. And people can see in your facial expression, in in your body language, 
how welcoming you're making them feel. And that matters as well. So, and, and we're a work in progress and we're all trying to be more of what we value, you know, and we're trying to live into the things we say we care about. So all, all well said. So thank you friends for tuning in to pub theology live. Uh, we would hope that you would connect and spread the word on social media. Let your friends know you just, listen to this great episode. You can tweet it out, share it on your wall on Facebook or elsewhere. And you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play Music. And if you want to rate us in one of those places, that would be awesome. If you want to find a group uh, where you can have a conversation with people of differing views, check out the uh, official directory at pubtheology.com. And if you don't see something happening in your neck of the woods, you'll find some resources to help you start your own. And thank you again to our sponsors, Wink Wine Club, who you'll find at trywink.com slash ptlive and casualpriest at casualpriest.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. You know that wink is only going to work for like the 15 people who watch <laughs> the video. The other 100 plus who listen to the audio, they're like, what? They they can get the inflection. They hear the... The inflection <laughs> of your eyelids. Closing yep. I don't yeah. know about all that. I'm sorry. Every time you hear wink, I like emoji on that image. That's why you have to spell it every week. <laughs> exactly. Like wink. With a C. <laughs> Ooh, exactly. Exactly. Oh Man, do well. So Wink probably ships to where you are, Shannon. I, they don't last that last I checked, they don't ship to Michigan. So I'm not a Yeah, I had to I got a wine club that shipped to D I had to ship it to DC and pick it up from a friend and then uh, but now Maryland does, so it's a you know, now it's yeah. Fun. The world is open. Cool. So how do we get sponsors? How does that happen? Do we just call people and say, do I this call, call a bunch of people. <laughs> so, oh, 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 oh. I know you forgot something. I'll, I'll what did you forget? So uh, March 2019, okay. uh, you, uh, there's going to be a Unity Cruise to the Caribbean. I knew it. I'm going to be one of the presenters, and I'm actually doing a pub theology event on the cruise. Nice. As uh, you should. So... so you know what? Oh, I am eligible movie. for a sabbatical next year. Ooh. <laughs> I, I'll send, well, you, I'll send we, you all the info on that, and I would say mark your calendars and come join me on the uh, on the journey. cruise. Yeah. Or we do episode one hundred in Barbados. Uh, I was oh. actually thinking, what if we, um, what if we all got in the same room for yeah. episode one hundred? That's a goal that has yet to be realized. It would oh, be awesome. Trying to make that happen for fifty. I I mean, listen, I'll go anywhere. Like I Well, listen, if episode one hundred is gonna be like around I don't know when it's gonna be, what time I was gonna say, let's do the math. <laughs> yeah, we can there's a way to figure this out. <laughs> no, there's, there's not actually a way to do that. Sometimes oh, look at the calendar. And then we take breaks and it's okay, never but we can we can clearly defined get a ballpark 
at a ballpark. I mean, I, I so I have a feeling it'll be next fall, right? Like if we do, yeah, because how much? How, Twenty-five weeks is how many months? Six months. I don't yeah. know. I can't do that math. So yeah, so, so it'd probably be the fall what? if we take a summer break. It'd probably be fall. We, we average it we, yeah, year. We could try to work it out if we buckled down and did it. We could try to work it out where we it was our first episode back in the fall. That'd be awesome. You use the two words that are antithetical to the philosophy of this show: buckle down. Buckle down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or <laughs> we could all show up at Wild Goose and get uh, well and. And there's a there's a thought that I that that was part of what I wanted to ask you, Brian, is like if if you're that was our biggest episode, I think, in terms of listeners. And it was a lot of fun. Wet, hot July in North Carolina. It is hotter than life. It's like Bikram yoga for, a you know, for a long weekend. <laughs> exactly. For a week. You just try um, to breathe. <sighs> oh, that would be super cool. That would be pretty awesome. Being a taskmaster, Brian. Mm. You didn't, I didn't sign up for this. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <sighs> All right, folks. But yeah. This was this was fun up until that. It was a lot <laughs> up until the end when no I was totally out of work. <laughs> There's no up until. This, this was a lot of this, this was a good episode. This was fun. It was fun. I had a great time. <laughs> yes. Well we, we will uh yeah, we'll talk soon. All right. Talk we'll soon. see you soon, kids. Like like yeah, very soon. Shh. All right. Very soon. <laughs> Bye. Super soon. Good night. <laughs>